0: Hello, welcome to Do The Franchise with me, Jake. And me, James. And we are back again with another Schumacher classic Um, this, this week, James. Batman and Robin, the one and only Batman and Robin. If you haven't seen this film, you've heard about it. For sure you must have done, because it was all over the place in the 90s. Um, I thought it might have gotten better, James. It hasn't. It, it really hasn't, Jake. Uh, you're you're throwing words about
1: like classic and, and Schumacher, and I don't believe any of those words apply to this film, uh, no. even slightly. It doesn't even feel like the last Schumacher film. Uh, it <laughs> may be because some of the reins were off, tim burton had a mild involvement in the last film oh really not so much oh in no this in, one. in the last one yeah. Sorry, yeah yeah not so much in this one um this one they pay they they play fast and loose with the batman law quite a lot and yeah. uh none of it makes sense we mentioned in the last podcast that if something doesn't make sense it's probably not original to the comics Th- yeah. this entire film makes no sense so let's get into it let's break this down because it's horrible and i don't want to ever have to watch this again if i'm truly
0: honest yeah i i made a comment last week um for you guys that listen to us regularly that there would never be a worse film reviewed on do the franchise and then i had to watch this um IMDb Very minded, gave in this it... podcast we've reviewed troll 2 we have yeah <laughs> and fast and furious 2 oh god um IMDb gave this 3.8 out of 10 um, and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a huge 12%. That's (laughs) actually generous. (laughs) It really is. Um, Controversially, James, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets top billing over George Clooney in this film. He does. Um, This is basically a contractual money-making churning machine that just basically... I mean, how would you even describe this? You basically get a Batman film, you take a few ingredients out of the Batman cupboard. So we've got Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, right, we've got Batman and Robin, right, Alfred, right, yeah. Um, What can we do? Gotham, Freeze Pops, Um, we'll do ice skating, we'll do... And then we'll just throw all of that at the wall, like you said, and just see what sticks.
1: You know what? This film was made because the last film was considered a box office success. (laughs) This film... It seems, seems <laughs> daft when you look at it now, <laughs> but it was—it was, it was fast tracked, because traditionally there'd been three-year gaps between the Batman films. This happened yeah. within two
0: years. Oh, really? Yeah. So, do you do you know why Val didn't come back? Is there a reason? Well, from what I read,
1: um, he didn't come back simply because he was there was some dispute between his. Uh, shooting time for this and the film The Saint um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think at that point in his career Val was stuck between a rock and a hard place because The Saint isn't a great film either uh, no. so so yeah he uh, he didn't come back for this film so we, we end up with somebody different I, from what I understand um, George Clooney wasn't the original pick for Joel Schumacher uh, no. he wanted one of the Baldwin twins <laughs> what? Yeah, one of the for so, Batman. Yeah, one of the Baldwin brothers, I think, where because that had been one of his choices before Kilmer applied for it as well. That's
0: uh, hilarious. Uh,
1: apparently, Val Kilmer got the role because he was a big fan of the TV series and yep. previously went to a Bat Cave in Africa and was scared. <laughs> Those were like, the contention <laughs> He was offered the role, didn't know what the story was, and, and didn't know who the director was, but took it anyway because he was really into being scared by bats. Um, oh God! So we end up with George Clooney in this one. Um, yeah. George Clooney, famous for being George Clooney. Uh, yeah. It is now George Clooney in a bat suit.
0: Yeah, I've literally written those words. Hi, everybody. I'm Batman. Yes, I know I don't look like Batman, but you do look a lot like George Clooney in a Batman mask. Yeah. And that's what he looks like. He doesn't look like Batman. It took me out of the film because I knew it was George Clooney. It was almost like if George Clooney was doing a Fathers for Justice climb. Um, that's what I was at there with that with that outfit, with the look, with the voice. There was almost no effort to conceal the Batman voice like Keaton no. did. Um, there was nothing. It's just I hey, freeze. I'm Batman. Like no, oh, that,
1: that was you it. know, and- I,
0: it's terrible. It's just terrible. The film starts with, um, can I have a car? Chicks dig the car, and then Bruce says to ba- uh, to Robin, "This is why Superman works alone." And you're like, "Well, no, because didn't Superman work with you in Justice League?" <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Superman doesn't work alone, and th- that whole scene. It starts with a sort of this hero shot of the Batmobile, which is now even more neon with like a yellow spinning top at the front of it. (laughs) Um, And they watch this rise out of the Batcave in awe. I'm like, that is your Batmobile in your Batcave. You must have seen this happen hundreds of times. Stop staring at it like it's special
0: for you if it shouldn't you, be special. if you um if you put these two movies side by side as I lovingly did um <laughs> you can you can get one on your iPhone one on your Mac or whatever and watch both Batman forever and Batman and Robin at the same time they are the same film yeah. with a few different things in yep yeah. um, so we have the same sequence at the beginning where Batman has a pun to Alfred about drive through in this one it's a pun with Robin and then um he says something like um don't wait up for me don't wait up for me Alfred and it's like oh god and then he gets into the car. They go to thwart a villain. The villain is not Two Face, but the villain is uh, a man called Mister Freeze. But Batman and Robin don't know it's Mister Freeze until they get to the museum, right? Yeah. Well, they um, Batman does, doesn't he? Because he's he's had a
1: conversation with Gordon on the way in the oh, car. Oh yeah, in the car, and uh, he's dressed and,
0: like an army captain. <laughs> yeah,
1: and Gordon explains who Freeze is and and what he's he's there to do. And Batman then just says, yes, freeze, like he knows who he is. Um, Yeah. And and it's so strange. It's like he's had him described to him by Gordon, and then he pretends like he knew who he was. Also, the Batmobile at this point doesn't have a roof. He's driving around in what is like a Mario Kart go-kart. (laughs) Because his his little his little head with the most giant bat ears is is popping out above this Batmobile, and he's driving around towards Gotham in this thing with no roof. It's it's full on silliness from the get go. Yeah, absolutely. And if you know if you didn't notice as an audience member, Alfred is ill in this film.
0: Yeah, he has a little pain every time he winces, doesn't he, a lot in this film. Yeah, Alfred is very ill,
1: and this film is very concerned that you know that he's ill.
0: (laughs) I can't say anything, like, this film does nothing for me. It doesn't even obey the laws of physics within its own universe. So the last one did, um, to an extent, Um, but this one, there's like... Bits where they throw guns and they land like they're being lowered on wires. <laughs> and the, Batman goes down the neck of a Brontosaurus. Um, what the fuck is going on, James? This,
1: this film strikes me that someone watched like the intro to Flintstones and thought, wouldn't it be cool if Batman did that? And the answer is always oh, no. God. The answer is no, that is not cool. Um, and you know this is after he's... His great I'm Batman line is, hey, Freeze, I'm Batman. And he slides down that and he, then there are some cool shots yeah. that I think have been borrowed for things like the Arkham games. The, mm. After he's done his silly slide, he's in midair and opens up his cape and then kicks Freeze. That's a cool yeah. shot. It should have yeah. just been him crashing through the ceiling and doing that move. Cut yeah. out the rest and you've yeah. got what
0: would be a Batman scene. But that's yeah. just one scene in this entire film. And oh, God. That... <laughs> then it turns into Batman and Robin on ice because they get ice skated out and start skating around the museum that, that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's free, frozen. Um, I'm going to talk about this before we get onto too many tangents, but Mr. Freeze. Yes. Mr. Freeze, Dr. Freeze, um, Victor Freeze, or Fries, depending on how you look at it. Tell yeah. me, who is this person? What the hell is he about? Is this comic book accurate?
1: To an extent, yes. Okay. Uh, Freeze, so Dr. Victor Freeze, like you say, it's spelt, as you would probably say, fries, but it's pronounced freeze. Um, He is a cryogenicist. so he's all about freezing things Hmm. Uh, as a doctor. Uh, He was, uh, in in the comics, fascinated by the cryonic uh, preservation of people, uh, he mm-hmm. begins freezing animals. So, uh, like a lot of Batman's villains, his trauma starts as a kid, basically. There's yep. very few that just suddenly become villains. Um, you see anyone
0: listening to this, James has already done a better introduction to Mr. Freeze than the <laughs> entire film of Batman and Robin. Continue. The
1: the, um, <laughs> the thing that isn't so comic accurate is that the comics didn't do a very good job of introducing Mr. Freeze either, because... Mm. Uh, he was, uh, it, originally it was either Mr. Zero or Dr. Zero was a character in the comics and he wasn't very well respected. Readers didn't like him, so they kind of did a, a soft reboot and they did then a second reboot um, after uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was a, a comic series that happened in the 80s that allowed them to retell some of the origin stories because they basically mm. restarted the universe. And yeah. in that at post-crisis world, Freeze is someone who <coughs> uh, marries Nora, who it, we see in the film. Nora is his wife, who's yeah. in that cryo chamber. So this is sort of similar to that. The uh, the film borrows heavily from the uh, story created for him in the animated series. So oh. th- this this film actually uses a lot of things from that. So, yeah, the, the animated series um, uh, history of Freeze is what they borrow for this film. So that they're aware. I, I
0: like the outfit. <laughs> yeah. Outfit works great.
1: Do you know who they were going to put in that ho- outfit originally or I, who, who I, they considered?
0: Yeah, I actually have got this written in my notes somewhere because I was completely enthralled by all three of these names. But yes. do tell, James. So we could have had
1: Ed Harris as Dr. Freeze. Amazing. We, would have been so much better. We could have had Anthony
0: Hopkins as Freeze. Oh. We could have even had Patrick Stewart as Freeze. But he was, he was busy getting ready to get in the wheelchair as Professor X. Yeah. So oh. there, there, there were opportunities missed, I think. I feel Ed Harris would have been perfect for that role, given yeah. what we know about the character. And actually, having um, asked you some questions about the character and seen his comic book and cartoon version of Mr. Freeze feel like Ed Harris would have been a better suited pick. And he's a more serious actor, so I think it would have worked. I mean, let's be honest here. And I'm, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger and I'm not taking anything away from the success he's had, but he is not a character actor. He is so not. Don't, no. don't make him a character actor in a film... That's as silly as this, where you want him to be the central... You wanted him to be the central character. Yeah. He's the one that actually has backstory yeah. in the film. Poison Ivy, played by the Uma Thurman, doesn't really have any backstory. No. She's introduced through the medium of her... She's a plant scientist. She's a botanist. Um, there's a man who's putting venom into people. And then she... What, something happens to her? I can't remember. Does she fall into something or something goes onto her skin they and turns her into Poison Ivy? They, again, do that thing where they reference
1: a scene in a much better film. They, they basically do the Catwoman scene over again, except instead of mm. cats, it's plants. Uh, she falls into the plants. Yeah, and and that's, that's how she gets her powers. Uh, surprisingly, it doesn't make sense. Guess what, Jake? It's not
0: comic well, accurate. Oh, God, of course it isn't. And Bane is in this film, and I didn't even know Bane was in this film because we've talked a lot about Bane, and we obviously will do when we get to Dark Knight Rises, but... I didn't know Bane was in this movie. And what the hell is he? Because he's not Bane, is he? That's not no. what Bane is in the films or the comics or the cartoons. He was a really strong, intelligent person in the in the cartoons. Yeah. And in, in the
1: comics, he uh, essentially becomes uh, king of a prison and becomes known as Bane. In this, mm. he gets given the name Bane by a mad doctor. Um, right. So um, the actor who plays that doctor, um, you might recognise him, he also played Lex Luthor's dad in Smallville, the TV series. Uh, yes, I do know him, yes. Uh, so he's, he's, he's quite a cool actor, wasted in this film. Um, <laughs> as, as is everybody. <laughs> as is everybody. And, and Bane basically is a muscly gherkin parrot in this film because yeah. he just repeats what people say back at him and breaks oh, walls God. um yeah they they do get the venom bit right from the comics it is venom that gives bane his his strength but in the comics he's given that in prison as part of a uh, he becomes a test subject uh mm. it's that venom uh kills all the other participants nearly kills bane but he survives and it gives him additional strength, but apparently he needs to take it every 12 hours, uh, otherwise he suffers debilitating side effects.
0: Uh, okay, comics, so, so kind of similar to what they do with the Dark Knight Rises bane, in a way. Yeah,
1: yeah. that, that again, is a, a more comic-accurate way of dealing yeah. with it, if you can call it that. Um, but, yeah, uh, Poison Ivy, um, they don't even get a name right. I, I forget which name they go with in the film, but... Uh, it's Dr Lillian Rose in the comics and she's a PhD um it, <laughs> this is great though the description i read for this which is great is Dr Lillian Rose PhD pretty hard to get a PhD i understand but then the next <coughs> line says is a promising botanist <laughs>
0: I think it's probably more than promising if you've got a PhD. Um, so yeah, yeah. You should, if you've got a PhD, you're pretty well regarded in your industry, aren't you? And and she um... gets her
1: powers in the comics from an Egyptian artifact. Um, the, oh, okay. Uh, that contains ancient herbs, and uh, she gets talked into stealing this. And the guy that's stealing it uh, attempts to poison her with the deadly uh, herbs. Uh, she's, oh. And she also survives, and uh, she's re-
0: acquired an immunity to all natural toxins and diseases. Mm. Oh, that's cool. So that's Poison yeah, Ivy. Yeah, she's called... Uma Thurman plays Dr. Pamela Isley, um, and Poison Ivy, obviously. Mm. Um, and it says in the bio, she's a crazed biologist, sorry, botanist who is pushed into a vat of chemicals, poisons and toxins, replacing her blood with aloe vera and her skin with chlorophyll and her lips with venom. Making her kisses deadly. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's the, the that in itself is just an
1: explanation of why this film doesn't work. I think. Well, yeah, it's they just, just
0: wanted a sexy woman character to be a baddie, like yeah. like Catwoman was. Exploit the female form and make her sexy. She can't just be a clever scientist that outwits Batman. She has to be. It has to be a deadly kiss. Yeah. Apparently, Demi Moore, Sharon Stone, and Julia Roberts were all considered for the role. But Thurman took the role because she liked the female femme fatale uh, idea of poison ivy. But again, Uma Thurman will go on to do much better films. Oh, absolutely! (laughs) And this, in this film, to say that she's a femme
1: fatale, she is. She's a femme fatale in this in in this sort of uh, film noir, but the cheesy end of film noir femme fatale. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. uh, And she keeps. There's one. Point in the film where she she wants to take Batman home with her uh, and says she's got wild oats to sow, mm. and you think this the, the lines in this film that the dialogue is so poorly written. Oh <laughs> it's yeah, so poorly written. And I noticed watching this cause like you, I watched this back to back with the previous film. Did you notice that the audio for all the dialogue sounded ever so slightly distorted all the way through? Like, yeah, in comparison to the previous film, this is the production value. Is way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, it's awful. And and they a lot of the time when you read interviews, they blame it on the rushed production because, like I say, it was done within two years of the previous film. Two yeah. years seems like a long time to
0: me, but that was a <laughs> rush uh, for for this film. But yeah, it's it's very poorly written. I have some facts for you that you will not expect. Uh, I did a bit of research on the man who plays Bane because I was ultimately fascinated with this giant (laughs) moron. (laughs) This this giant gherkin. (laughs) This giant gherkin. Um, He was a wrestler, James, called Robert Swenson. um, And he was a WWE wrestler back in the 80s. Um, Oh, okay. He'd wrestled um, many people, uh, including a famous wrestler called Bruiser Brody. And... um, He'd wrestled in WWE, and he was given a character name. <sighs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to have to really be careful how I word this, because it's just so awful. So in the ni- in the 80s, he performed as a baddie, a wrestler, a heel. Yeah. Um, they wanted him to be a person to end um, Hulk Hogan's reign, and um, he was supposed to be the one that would destroy Hulk Hogan. And he was named... The final solution. Oh gosh. Oh dear. Ultimately, complaints came in from the Jewish community across America and Turner corporate offices. He was then renamed the ultimate solution. Oh dear. so they had to get rid of him and he died at 40 uh of heart failure because of his apparent steroid use. Yeah. So yeah, really sad, um Robert Swenson, but yeah, did get an acting credit as Bane in the Batman and Forever. So I sorry Batman and Robin. So I feel like I've done a little bit of work there on that character. Did, did and didn't know yeah, sorry. I was going to
1: say did you notice any other wrestling trivia about the film? Uh no, why what have I missed? Um when the first time that Freeze is taken to Arkham, did you recognise mm. anybody? It's a blink and you'll miss it. Um, no, but tell me. One of the prison guards is uh, played by Jesse Ventura. Oh, what? Jesse!
0: Oh, Jesse the Body Ventura. I did not know
1: that. Yeah. so uh, That's he, hilarious. So he has a, a a starring role next to Arnie,
0: much like he did in Predator, and I think yes. Running Man as well. So and, they, and obviously he got him into WWF as well years ago, because yeah, yeah. they were friends, weren't they? I did not know that. Yeah. So Jesse
1: Ventura's in this film as well. It, it's basically, you know when you see like <laughs> Adam Sandler make a film and he just gets yeah. all his mates there? Yeah. Well, Arnie, I think, earned something like, 25 million for this film so i'm assuming he was obviously the biggest part of the budget so he just asked he must have just asked for his mates to get involved because i
0: imagine because he gets top billing as well that ultimately he could he could have free reign as to whatever he wants because they used the schwarzenegger name to sell the movie didn't they yeah and another cameo happens later in the film coolio is in
1: the film as uh, Jonathan Crane, yeah. yeah, saw this. Yeah, as Jonathan Crane, so he would have been become Scarecrow in the what was ultimately cancelled, but Batman
0: Unchained
1: sequel Jesus to this Christ. film. We could have got <laughs> a third one, Jake. We're so. Oh lucky. no! I'm We're so, so glad we didn't.
0: Yeah. This film is just a me- How far have we deviated from the actual film now? Because of all the facts we've found out. Oh, um, the facts are more interesting
1: and- than the plot, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Freeze freezes Robin, which I would have assumed would make him really ill. Yeah. Um, Freeze also escaped. I've put here, Freeze escapes museum on giant dick-shaped rocket ship. <laughs> um <laughs> Uma Thurman is talking... This is the opening line of Uma Thurman's character at Poison Ivy saying something ridiculous about a South African rattlesnake rhododendron. (laughs) (laughs) Just... I mean, I, I think...
1: You could almost imagine the script didn't even say that. It said, say something you could yeah, y say- see, say something
0: you- science Yeah, they- This film is actually more like a wrestling storyline than it is a Batman film, like you were saying <laughs> earlier about Jesse Ventura being in it. Um, I quite like Poison Ivy. Can't lie, it was quite a funny character. Uh, then we cut to Freezer's Lair, which is a giant ice cream factory. What the fuck? I guess you're not supposed to be scary. He also has a team of henchmen, like they always have. But his henchmen, James, are a bloody hockey team.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a hockey team. And they've got all these frozen meals that are still frozen and they're eating them (laughs) like ice ice cream and ice pops and things like that. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, for some reason, is really obsessed with them singing along to his favourite TV show.
0: Yeah, I put that. They're a hockey team forward slash choir.
1: Despite the fact that his character is meant to be obsessed with curing his wife. He's wasting yeah. all his time. In an he ice doesn't cream. spend
0: any time in the movie working on a cure for his wife. No. They allude, they allude to it, but oh, he never yeah. actually does any of it. No, no, he, uh, <coughs> he he
1: he keeps like he's got a cure for people who aren't as far advanced as his wife. He's got that far, and he seems to just stalled then because he keeps need, needing to nick crystals to power either his suit or to power the uh, device that he eventually uses. So he, he gets very sidetracked the entire
0: film. He wants to freeze all of Gotham, but I thought as he's not been to Chicago in the winter because <laughs> he <they> don't <laughs> need to do it. He just does it anyway. Oh, um dear. anyway, so I was like, oh well, at least we've had half an hour of setting up all the characters. But wait, James. Yes. But wait. Alicia Silverstone's in this film because she she was also big in the '90s, and why not put an American Oxbridge Academy graduate in the film?
1: (laughs) Yeah, wait, how is she? She's in this film. This, this again, not comic accurate. Okay, God. So in the film, her character Barbara is Mm. related to Alfred. Is that real? No. Right. She she's meant to be Batgirl. And in the comics, and this is what's so tragic, the comics, Batgirl is such an integral part. She is Barbara Gordon. She is Jim Gordon's daughter. Oh, okay. And there's a a really famous storyline in the comics where uh, to torture Jim Gordon, the Joker in a a comic book called The Killing Joke Mm. shoots Barbara in the spine... And disables her, does some pretty heinous things to her, films it and shows Jim. And the whole point is he can he's trying to show Batman that even someone as good as Jim Gordon can have a bad day and turn into a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Luckily, none of that happens and joke is disproved, but the um, Barbara, who has up until that point secretly been Batgirl, is now disabled and becomes a character called the Oracle, who is basically who Batman speaks to on the radio whenever he needs help with something. Oh.
0: Like,
1: so she's like, uh, she, she's someone who's got the finger on the pulse of what's going on in Gotham knows where things are, a uh, computer genius, things like that. So she, she's sort of his, his tech backup uh, yeah. as well as being, you know, for a long period of time, Batgirl, who is his equal out in the field in pretty much every way. So, mm. What they do in this film is they take an Oxbridge student who likes to go racing motorbikes, give her a costume, and instantly she's Batman's equal. Why does she have an American accent?
0: <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean,
0: again, wouldn't make perfect sense if
1: she's Jim Gordon's daughter,
0: but... Do you find it, sorry to interrupt, did you find it funny that she says she goes to the Oxbridge Academy, which... Do it? Did the Americans not understand England at all? No, because <laughs> Oxbridge isn't a place. Oxbridge is a is a terminology used to describe somebody who went to either Oxford or Cambridge. So the <laughs> Oxbridge Academy, whether it's ironic or they're just being pathetically stupid, I don't know. Do you? I don't understand I, what they were going for there. Sorry, I, like, I, I, I can't get hung up on that.
1: No, I I like the idea though that if it is, if it's just a joke and it's like. Oh, yeah, I go to the Oxbridge Academy. She just doesn't want Alfred to know she's in England on some sort of fake visa. Uh, <laughs> and all she's been doing is racing bikes. Uh, and her uh, one goal was to get back to Gotham so she could race against Coolio's gang. I I don't know. I don't know why she's American related to a Brit. I don't know why it can't be Barbara Gordon. They have Gordon yeah. there. They call her Barbara. Just make yeah, it do, Barbara yeah. Gordon. You know, it's it's ridiculous.
0: It's just a silly film. It's a very silly film. It is a silly film. Um, Poison Ivy uh, makes a point to Bruce about how mankind are going to destroy the world. Um, Living through a pandemic like COVID, I feel like she was pretty much bang on the money, to be honest. (laughs) Um, And then they have an auction, James, which again, when you think you're not going to see a scene worse than the last one... You have the auction scene where men are shouting random amounts of money out uh, and going higher with the bid. But if you didn't notice, which I didn't at first, they're actually all bidding on different women. So they're out doing each other's bid, but for a different woman, which yeah. makes no sense. <laughs> you don't go on eBay and outbid someone on something that's a different item. That's not <laughs> how it works. Uh, and then um batman gets the credit card out and says uh, never leave the cave without it and i just my head fell in my hands which is it's a it's product (laughs) placement isn't it for mastercard yeah uh or is it amex sorry amex Amex. yeah uh, amex's phrase is never leave the home without it is, uh, is american express and he says that line and i just went Oh, you sell out, bastard. You might as well have just been doing an espresso advert in your batsuit. Yeah. I I um, just uh,
1: the The last film, like you said, it alluded to getting drive through. Yeah. Never actually said McDonald's. This just no, out didn't. and out says, Yeah, this is an IMEX card and it's got the name Batman on it. Um mm. and I you know, it's it's so so silly. So silly.
0: I just—I I hate the amount of head movements we get from George Clooney when he's talking to Uma Thurman as well. Yes. Like he kind of considers her and then his head just rocks back and forth like some sort of lucky cat. It's just <laughs> awful. Um, I don't even know why I'm going. I've lost the plot, literally. There's this pointless chase sequence with Batgirl and Robin. Yeah. And it I, I put a note in saying this film in many ways reminds me of that feeling I had when I watched Iron Man 2. And they set up all the characters to then have 30 to 40 minutes of the plot in the centre of the film with no baddie, with Iron Man going sort of off the rails. Nothing really happens for about 40 minutes until the baddie resurfaces at the end. And this is kind of what happens here is Freeze gets captured and Freeze goes to Arkham and then... Poison Ivy and, and Batgirl's plot and Batman and Robin have a feud about you know him holding him back and nothing happens for about half an hour but until is... Ivy goes to Arkham to get Freeze out. Yeah. <coughs> and uh and you have
1: you have that scene where it's almost world building. But I don't want to give the film that credit. But you see the Riddler's costume and Two Face's costume in what looks like the prison's lost property section. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> so you know the bit where Bane breaks into Arkham and, <laughs> and he has to steal their his Freeze's uniform, doesn't yeah. he? There's a, yeah. there's a, a pan just before he breaks in, and he and you see the Riddler's costume. And you see the Two-Face costume from the previous film that we watched last week. And it's like, (laughs) okay, so you are trying to say that this is obviously the same universe. I get that. Mm. Uh, but then you have Bane doing what looks like supermarket sweep through Arkham, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the trolley, <laughs> and, uh. and he sort of runs round Arkham, not really attacking anybody, just mowing them down with this trolley, and he get he gets to Freezer's prison cell, Ivy lets him in, and and then. They escape and it was it's
0: so, it's such a nothing event at that stage. Yeah, it is. And there's a there's a bit in this now where we finally get the plot advances to what do freeze and Ivy want from the plot. What do we want them to do? And it's like the writers need to find out. We've thrown Ivy at the wall and she's stuck. There's no pun intended there. Yeah. We've thrown Mister Freeze at the wall and it, we've got him. So <clears throat> how can they have a central plot to work towards? Similarly, to how they couldn't balance. Um, Riddler's plot with Two-Face's plot because they didn't really work. There was no reason for Riddler and Two-Face to work side by side. Yeah. But in this one, she says, I want to spread plants across the world and take over mankind. And Freeze says, yes, but what do we do first? We should freeze the world into an icy grave and then from the grave be born the plants that will repopulate the earth and it'll just be me and you and there'll be no one else. And you're like, right, so Adam and Eve, you're going to do Adam and Eve, but you didn't say Adam and Eve. But also, you don't explain why you're going to do this. Because isn't Frieza's whole motivation earlier discussed that he wants to bring his wife back into a world of love because he loves his wife? Yeah. How can that character then suddenly throw that away to throw in his lot with poison ivy and destroy the world? Do you know what I mean? Like, There's just no thought for the plot or the character. That that almost happens in the script, though, that that sudden realisation,
1: because he... Just before they escape, Ark- uh, escape Arkham, he says that they should split up and one of them should go and get his wife. And I was like, "You didn't say you had a wife!" And uh, you know, they like they suddenly realise that oh yeah, Freeze isn't like a free agent. He's no, he's trying to help his wife. He shouldn't be you know he shouldn't be trying to be you know romanced or romancing yeah. Ivy because he's not affected by any of her stuff because of his and he's not interested work. in No. It. So he, sh- he should not be, and um, they they go back to the ice cream factory, don't they? Mm, um, yeah. And this bit made me giggle. And I don't think it was for any of the right reasons. But partway through this next bit of the film, we have a fight between Batman and Robin and Bane. And yes. it's a- across a bridge over some ice cream. <laughs> I mean it looks I mean there's some bits of it that look so similar to the fight scene in dark in uh, Dark Knight Rises where yeah, yeah, Bane yeah. breaks Batman's back and yeah. and I'm just looking at it going these two scenes are obviously so similar but couldn't be further apart if they tried yeah. It's uh, yeah it it they basically go back so Freeze can recharge get more crystals that somehow power his suit we Still don't fully understand why. It's a, a laser-powered cryogenic suit, is I think how they describe it. So you need yeah. to keep feeding it diamonds. I don't I read know how fact, that works. Um,
0: I don't. I read a fact about this film on a slight tangent, but uh, according to an interview with Joel Schumacher in the DVD bonus features of Batman and Robin, the main interest wasn't making a good Batman picture. It was purely in being toyetic and that Warner Brothers worked with toy companies being in the pre-production phase of the movie, trying to ensure that there would be all kinds of cool toys that spun off from the film. They even had to say in how the Batmobile was going to look uh, that in turn meant the whole movie could have uh, had to conform to the toy plans that were already in place before the movie began began shooting. (laughs) Crafting a movie to fit its merchandising goals is a recipe for disaster, and those who were involved found out the hard way. Yeah you can tell
1: um like yeah. it's and, and apparently um <laughs> this is another quote i read <coughs> from an interview it's with uh, john glover i've remembered his yeah. name he's the guy who plays the mad doctor who also plays lex luthor's dad uh, yeah yeah john him. john glover uh, uh was interviewed and says uh, joel schumacher would sit on a crane with a megaphone and yell before each take remember everyone this is a cartoon and John says, it was hard to act because that kind of set the tone for the film. And you just uh, think, that it, they were all, it seems, under a lot of pressure to make a follow-up to what they thought was a successful film. But they didn't know what made the last film successful or what they should yeah. change. Uh, so they, they just doubled down on the thing that they felt they brought to the film, which was making it more and more like the campy 1960s batman yeah and less and less yeah. like the tim burton one they they thought that's what was successful about it and i think you could they argue say, it probably um, wasn't
0: yeah i it's it's crazy isn't it i mean should we just polish off the film and then we can come back to some facts yeah. i mean the film kind of ends with freeze has a giant cannon that they use in the observatory that bruce goes to earlier in the film that bruce has sponsored so they kind of set up the idea of this giant laser-focused... Um, it's a telescope, s- isn't it? Uh, telescope some- that uses satellites to some... I, I can't remember. Do I, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but they put diamonds in it, and Mr. Freeze uses his giant freeze gun and basically makes a giant freeze gun and freezes most of Gotham whilst Batgirl, Batman, and, and Robin have to try and stop him. Mm. Um Bane gets outed because they pull his tubes out. <clears throat> and then... um and then Freeze, I can't remember how it ends. I've literally not have forgotten. How does it end? Uh, so,
1: the uh, at this point, Freeze is out for the count, is down on the ground. They've stopped the impending doom. They've unfrozen Gotham by um, Batgirl proving she's a strong, independent woman and somehow instantly knowing how to realign these satellites on a system she's probably never seen before and wouldn't know how to use, even the guys wouldn't know how to use it. Uh, Batman says, we need a computer genius. Robin jumps forward and then gets pushed back by Batgirl saying, no, no, I know how to do this. So they unfreeze Gotham uh, and walk over to Mr. Freeze, and Batman gives him a long speech about how he should really uh, be bothered about his wife at this point freeze thinks batman's killed his wife batman says no no it was ivy that tried to but we saved her it's all good uh we'll (laughs) we'll move her to arkham to be with you i don't see why she has to suffer in arkham but uh, (laughs) they're going to move move nora to arkham so he can carry on working on uh cure and then he basically begs freeze to be a good person And give us the cure for stage one McGregor's, because that's what, handily... Oh, yeah, that's what Alfred has. Yeah, handily, Alfred has the same disease that Nora has, but he's a little, you know, earlier on in in stages. So the work that Freeze has done would cure Alfred. So uh, he keeps this cure in his gauntlet, which he's previously been using to fight Batman and Robin. Um, so you would assume that the uh, test tubes would be broken, but they're intact, magically. And uh, Alfred <laughs> lives to save another breakfast. Um, yeah,
0: exactly. He gets to burn some more toast. And, yeah. um Don't they put freezing Arkham? And for randomly, they put poison ivy in there as well, even though that would never happen. Because they're a they're maximum security prisoners, and b they're mixed gender. I don't think that works, does it? No, so no, no, They're not going to no, do that. No. So it, um, it's sort of like.
1: They let Freeze take revenge on Ivy. <coughs> it doesn't seem fair. It's not no, not justice, but whatever. Um, and that's how the film sort of ends. Except it doesn't, because they have a really cheesy bat signal end sequence where yeah. they all run away from the bat signal, even in, though they normally silhouette. run
0: towards the bat symbol. I yeah, the,
1: this this film doesn't end. Very well, it doesn't have a very good middle bit, and it didn't start too great. I'm not sure it's a good film yeah. jake
0: it's a terrible film it's a terrible film um, <laughs> I have another cool fact, okay, the part of how contractually this film was made um so there was a second and third unit that took care of things like insert shots, stunts. The random gun, I imagine, when it lands on that statue (laughs) perfectly. Um, Chris O'Donnell says in a documentary on the DVD that he's watched the film and been able to recall certain filming sequences. Remembers that it's his stunt uh, double or his body double who performed a lot of the scenes um, with the running and fighting. Um that extended to the other stars, and in fact there was a, so much complexity of the shoot that O'Donnell actually admitted that he never worked on set with Schwarzenegger. Um he says I was in a lot of scenes with Freeze, um, but I didn't work a single day with Arnie. That's Not a so single funny. day. I was on the set with him a lot, I saw him around, I did hang out with him and talk to him, um, and obviously we got to do a lot of publicity together. Um <laughs> That they did not act opposite each other. Apparently, uh, yeah, Mr. Freeze was... There was doubles for Freeze at certain parts and there were doubles for O'Donnell, so they never had a scene in the film together, which just shows you how terribly conceived it was. Uh, And it just really upset me, that, really. Yeah. Do you you want me to try and make you feel better?
1: Go on. This, I believe, happened years after the film was released. Yeah. Joel Schumacher was interviewed and was asked about his feelings on... On the film, and he said, If there's anybody watching this that, let's say, loved Batman Forever and went into Batman and Robin with greater anticipation, if I've disappointed them in any way, then I really want to apologize because it wasn't my intention. My intention was just to entertain them. That was his apology. Oh, that was his. <laughs> that's his parting shot. I think even George Clooney's been interviewed, and he said something to the effect of, "We killed the franchise." Um, yeah, they really did. They did. There's a lot of self-awareness after they made and released this film. It seems like everyone involved realized it probably wasn't their best work, and it certainly didn't. It didn't do much for superhero movies because it was a long time after this was released before people started making them again. In fact, I think it took things like yeah. X Men to start making things more, you know, possible. So that yeah, I think it was three or four years between this and the the X Men movie.
0: Yeah, um, which was like a relaunch. I think Blade was around a year later. Yeah. Um, but remember, Blade is a very different kind of film and doesn't really even in Invoke the idea of a comic book film, even though it is. Yeah, um, it's very much a vampire hunter film. It's not of the same ilk as these and the X Men films. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, Um, I remember thinking, like, if you go back and watch Blade in hindsight, that film really does hold up as a kind of '90s grunge film, and it works really well. Yeah, it it has it has reasons to exist. Um, The the film
1: did win some awards. Uh, Batman and Robin, this is. God uh, it, anything, it, couldn't it? Anything could win awards. It it, it won mostly Razzie awards. Um <laughs> I, I, I wrote down a list of things it, it won. So uh worst director, uh <laughs> <laughs> George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell, worst screen couple. Um oh no. Uh Akiva Goldsman, worst screenplay. Uh Chris O'Donnell and Aldis know worst supporting actor. Uma Thurman. Worst... I'm
0: starting. I'm starting to see a theme. <laughs> <laughs>
1: worst supporting actress. Um, this is it. You, you mentioned Seal wrote a song for the last film last week.
0: Yeah. Do you yeah. do you know who wrote a song for this film, Jake? I was going to ask you because I I have no idea. It's no. There's no famous songs in this film, are there? Are they really? Yes. I don't think um, so.
1: Have you heard of a band called Smashing Pumpkins? I've seen them. Yeah. So Billy Corgan won worst song for "The End Is the Beginning Is the End," which he wrote oh, I know for this film. song. Um,
0: oh, oh, is that for the? Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't. I was going to ask you. if That's the song. Is that the? That's the seal song of this film, then?
1: Is yeah, it? absolutely. Um, he, oh God. Batman Robin also received nominations for worst picture. Worst remake or sequel. And worst (laughs) reckless disregard for human life and public
0: property. (laughs) (laughs) At least they still had the bat nipples. Yeah. They'll always Uh, have the bat nipples. What a terrible waste of time. I feel like we've just wasted an hour on it, but it is worth talking about because it is so terribly bad. it's, It's how we got
1: given a trilogy of really good Batman films. Yeah. Because of this film, they, they paused everything, went back to the drawing board, and did it better.
0: Yeah, Much we're going to talk about Christopher Nolan on next week's episode, because oh, it's such a relief. And also, it's one of my favourite films of all time. I don't even mean as a comic book film, but I just think as a concept... As, a, as an origin story of Batman and as a, as a popcorn flick, I feel Batman Begins ticks all the boxes. So I can't wait to talk about that next week. And I also can't wait to rewatch the trilogy because it's been yeah. a long time since I've watched them. And I need facts from you. So that's what I'm after next week. Yeah. I want to know why Batman Begins is made the way it is and what the hell did they take from the comics because I don't know any of that stuff. Well, so, yeah, we can definitely get into know. that. I have one final
1: question for you, Jake. Go on. Someone hypothetically, has wronged you in some serious way. Do you make them watch Batman and Robin or do you make them watch Superman 4 Quest for Peace?
0: <laughs> no, I would, I would say, oh, it's such, a good, it's such a good question. I think I preferred Quest for Peace because, <laughs> and I'm going to put it out on the limb there, because it gave the people of Milton Keynes something to be proud of. <laughs> Yes, and nobody is
1: proud of Batman and Robin. <laughs> I like that answer. That is a good answer. I I've been thinking yeah. about it ever since I started watching this film because obviously both films are franchise ending films basically. And they're both
0: the fourth one. Yeah. It's
1: yeah. just it's a sad it's a sadness, isn't it? That they just <laughs> lost is. their way. Uh but
0: it... we've got better things to look forward to. Yeah, it's, up, it's all up from here, guys. So please do feel that you can tune in next week because it will be better. Life will get better. There could be some restrictions being lifted by the time that episode comes out. So things are going to be better. Definitely. Right, on that bombshell, James, I'm going to go and uh, have something to eat. Sounds right. like a plan. See you later. And thank you for listening, guys. Thanks. As always, uh, like and subscribe and tell your friends about us because... We really need the listens. <laughs> and we do. And we're we're fun people. We're nice people. We're good to listen to. This podcast cost me about £14. Pounds. <laughs> so I don't get that back, but I might start charging you all for listening. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. If I could get £14.50 out of it, that's a profit of 50p, and it's definitely worth the time. Oh, I, I think this this episode especially would be 50p well spent. Even if someone likes me enough to kind of buy me a Freddo or a, a small coffee, not even like Do they an cost expensive latte fifty now Freddos? it 's gone way up it 's gone crazy. I think Starbucks is about that i say i don 't even want like a nice latte i 'd just settle for like a filter coffee with no milk <laughs> jake you 're a man of humble means it 's really I, totally. Right, it's been a pleasure. And James, I feel like next week we're going to be restarting the franchise in a way anyway because it's yeah. the restart of Batman. So even though we're in the Batman wheelhouse, as it were, we're certainly stepping into better territory now. No more Batnipples. No more Schumacher. Right, see you later, guys. See Take care, later, James. Jeff. Bye. Bye. Bye.